The Bravery Defined podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of land and water that this podcast is recorded on. You are listening to Bravery Defined, the podcast about unlocking the extraordinary spirit within us. I'm your host, Annette Yakubovic, an Australian mum of four, a born entrepreneur, business owner and mentor who's passionate about sharing stories of success. Bravery is not merely the absence of fear, but the audacious choice to confront challenges head on, to navigate uncharted territories and to stand tall in the face of adversity. It's the unwavering commitment to facing our fears, driven by a deep sense of purpose and an unyielding belief in our ability to overcome. Throughout my journey, I've had the privilege of helping thousands of NDIS participants navigate the complexities of the system. And as a business strategist and mentor, I've coached hundreds of business owners and countless employees, empowering them to create or redefine successful businesses. In this podcast, we dive deep into candid conversations with extraordinary individuals within the National Disability Insurance Scheme arena and across the broader disability community. Together, we're going to explore the journeys of perseverance, triumphs, and the transformative power of bravery. Join me on Bravery Defined as we uncover the infinite perspectives of resilience, strength, and empowerment, proving that true bravery is the key to unlocking a more inclusive and inspiring future. This week, we go beyond the common understanding of ADHD. Join us as we unravel the personal journey of Sarah Hampton, who, following an ADHD burnout, uncovered her own neurodiversity. We delve into Sarah's distinct perspective on the term superpower and gain insights into how, through the right therapeutic approach and medication, there's hope for individuals who have a late ADHD diagnosis. So let's get ready to explore a compelling narrative that challenges preconceptions and shines a light on the intricate realities of living with ADHD. Together, we invite you to broaden your perspective and embrace the complexities of neurodiversity. This is Bravery Defined. Okay, so this podcast interview needs a little bit of a backstory. Um, you kind of have to rewind a little bit to 2018. I actually do think it was 2018 because I had to do the math before I got here <laughs> to work it out. Yeah. But for those of you listeners that don't actually know, I was um, in a program called She Starts. So it was like a female entrepreneur tech startup program and it was venture capital back. So it was like the only one in Australia um, at the time. And I had this great idea to do this app. Of course I did. Um, and it was going to be about helping parents on their journey once their child got diagnosed on the spectrum. So what would happen is, you know, they'd go on the app and they'd work out, oh, I've been diagnosed, this is who I need to speak to, this is who I need to apply for funding. Long story short, I realised one person is definitely not capable of doing this. I thought, who else is there in this world, probably in Australia, probably female, that might want to go on this journey with me. And I, I did this random Google of, like, amazing, intelligent women who know lots about autism and preferably live in Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> and that 
that's how I met our next guest, um, Sarah Hampton, who Hello. runs the incredible Autism Consultancy Services. And I'm here today um, in her beautiful new clinic at um, Yarraville. And we're sitting on the couch and we've got our cushions and we're just going to have a <laughs> candid chat about all things um, running a provider, um, what it's like to run a provider um, business in the NDI yep. space, but also what it's like to navigate a late ADHD diagnosis. So welcome, Sarah. A bit of a mouthful for the intro today, but I had to give the context because it's just such a strange way that we initially connected. I know, and we only uh, met online for years. So Mm -hmm. so actually, I only met you last year in October. Yeah. So we physically haven't been in the same room together until about three months ago. Yeah. Yet we first connected in 2018 or 2019. So it's a very bizarre relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like I've known you all my life, which is that ADHD thing of like finding light and going, hi. Um, And also we, yeah, I mean, actually meeting you in person was really weird and I was really shy and and you were Fangirl. so much taller than I thought you would be, <laughs> so much taller. And just a nice visual descriptor for those of you who are listening to the podcast but may not be able to see us on YouTube, Sarah is a very tall, lovely lady <laughs> with curly brown hair, yeah. although I noticed you've got a little bit of highlights. Oh, yes, well, that's covering the hair. <laughs> it's covering the so a tall lady with a beautiful big smile, glasses and curly brown hair, whereas I am uh, and always wearing fabulous, <laughs> wonderful, bright things, and I am a not-so-tall lady <laughs> with shoulder-length brown hair turning grey, um, wearing my stock standard uniform of jeans and a white or grey T-shirt because I do not have time to find or keep clean such wonderful clothes um, with two small children. Well, yes, you have got two small children <laughs> and I have got three daughters who are now that bit older that I can wear nice clothes and not have fingerprints, smudgy mm. fingerprints all over them. Yes, yes. I yeah. think this top actually does have a few stains on it, but it's okay. We're <laughs> filming far away enough that you won't actually see <laughs> it. Yeah, you can't focus in. Yeah, so, okay, cut to the chase. You've got three children as well. Yes. I've got four. Luckily, two are out of home already. How on earth have you set up a successful NDIS provider business and parented three children and navigated an ADHD diagnosis yourself in the past, gosh, what do you want to call it? Seven, six, seven years, I think, is when I really started. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, first of all, I know, it's such a big question. So, first of all, I think it was born out of necessity. So, I left a domestically violent relationship and mm. had nothing mm. and went to all of the local schools and talked about what I'd done in New Zealand and what I'd done in the UK. Yeah. And that was not a model that the special schools wanted to uh, to get involved with. Um, oh, you don't say. <laughs> I know. It comes as such a massive surprise um, to share resources across our communities. 
So I went to the Department of Education and they said that they didn't want to delve into individual children with autism. They just wanted to do sort of broad, broader stroke education around autism. Um, whereas I come very much from the feeling that if you've met one autistic person, you have only met that one autistic person. And you took the words out of my mouth because <laughs> I was just about to say, oh, how interesting you would educate on autism. Like autism is actually a thing that everyone has that's the same. It, I mean, uh, it's just, There's a yes. spectrum. Yes. Like a really, really big one. <laughs> it's really different um, and it manifests very differently in each person and it's looks very different in the classroom or at home or in therapy. So absolutely. You absolutely. have to look at the, that one person. You do. That's my philosophy. And can I just jump in and read something? I read your, obviously, do some research before I come into this room. I mean, I have to read the website. And on the website, that there was something that really struck me. It says, there is a lot of information, some quite misleading, and patching it together can feel overwhelming. Well, we do hear this every mm. day from yep. parents. Um, and you wrote, as I began to connect with the parents of ASD children in the community, I learned more about the struggle to integrate it all in manageable and affordable ways. And that's why you started Autism Consultancy Services to offer an integrated guidance and support to children with ASD, their parents, teachers and schools. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Like, why is there not... 10, 20, 100 of you. <laughs> and, like, how do you just keep giving so much? So sometimes I still am completely boggled by the fact that I still need to do the basic job that I do, which yes. is go to schools and talk about that individual child and their individual needs and integrate what therapy goals are being conducted outside of school Mm. and try and put them into school mm. and try and build them into ILPs and smart targets. And I still am boggled that in yeah. 2024, I've just come back from a meeting yeah. doing exactly that. Yeah. And, I'm, and I those still find it don't know what an ILP is. Oh, if you have a sorry. child with special needs and you don't know what an ILP is, that is a problem. You it's probably yes. need to speak to Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah. that's an individual um, learning plan and each child who has any um, any difficulty in mm. school at all or yeah. or on the other end of the spectrum they're they're you know they're really excelling at school. Yeah. They should also have an IOP. Um, there is an idea that because every child is an individual, every Everyone child should have an IOP. But that means <laughs> that is unwieldy and unmanageable. Yeah. So um, I'm still boggled about the fact that I still do have to do the role that I do. I absolutely love my role. And when I start seeing schools, the, when the light goes on, I still think it's a real moment to celebrate because we then get that real team approach where everybody is looking at the child as an individual. Yeah. And that's really exciting. So... I so the reason that I got into this is out of necessity. I had to feed the children and keep a roof over our heads. Um, managing three children and being a sole trader was actually more manageable mm. because I could fit my days around when they were at their 
dad's house or when they were with me, when they were doing after-school activities and when they weren't. So being a sole trader was actually fairly manageable. Um, And then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And then we oh yet to do an interview where oh. COVID is not mentioned. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is the just... life of starting a podcast <laughs> post 2023. Everyone talks about when COVID hit. Oh, when COVID, on, hit. when COVID hit. Oh, God, when COVID <laughs> hit. Um, well, yeah, when COVID hit and I was doing face-to-face social skills, therapy sessions, and suddenly yeah. we could do nothing. That was terrifying. Yeah. And the idea of going back to that really scarce point where we didn't have enough food to eat and we didn't have enough money in the bank for rent and thinking that that's what my reality was going to be again was really terrifying so post-covid um I went from really scarce to completely overwhelmed and that's when I then took on my first uh I I made my first hire yeah and since then, we've hired probably every three to five months, um, and now we've got a team of four therapists and an assistant, an admin, yeah. um, and then me. And so you've got a team. You've got we some have people now behind you now, which is yeah. great. I mean, you know, starting a business for anyone can be daunting. Just like I'm just talking business as in a business, you know, a coffee cart or an online store. But starting a business in the NDIS space is probably there is no word for it. Um, I might have to rewind and put a few like alerts. There could be swearing in this podcast if I wanted to actually say what I thought. But it is a logistical um, and uh, brain-breaking exercise. Yes. Um, how did you navigate starting a business in the NDR space? Like, what was your go-to resource? How did you know, am I doing it right? Where do I go? How does this work? And how did it not break you in the process? So having an ADHD brain means that you see something and you just go, oh, that's a good idea. I'm just going to do that. Mm. And so you go, oops. Okay. (laughs) And so without really very much forethought, in fact, I think that's how I... I live my life without very much forethought. I kind of just jumped in. and Which I may saw, not have been such a bad thing. Yeah, it probably wasn't <laughs> such a bad thing. I saw this um, massive gap yeah, and sure. freaked out and thought, all these children are falling through. Yeah. How on earth can we stop this from happening? Mm-hmm. I will just step in and mm-hmm. I'll do what I was doing in New Zealand and in the UK. Yeah. I will just step in and just get on with it and do it without very much forethought. And then I had a few really great friends who were psychologists or speeches um, and they said, you know, there's this thing called the NDIS and your training should mean that you can charge against the NDIS. And so that's what I started to do. And it really was literally learn on the spot. What is the line item that I'm allowed to use? I think I may have asked you that question. Oh, I um, think I get asked that question every day. I can't remember who asked it yesterday or today, but it, it still gets asked pretty yeah. much every day. What is the line what item? What is the line item? <laughs> and I know that it ends in an 03. And like, yes. Anyway, so I think that that's kind of where I started. It was much more through sort of um, 
jumping in, in with both feet and eyes very much closed. Mm-hmm. That but, I, but doing it for the right reason. Like you're doing uh, no, it to help, help the child. Because yeah. I was terrified of yeah. all these children yeah. that were falling through. Yeah, and this is why we reached out to you also, you know, so many years ago and a lot of the team at Lighthouse started started working with yeah. you is that um, we just found these families and we were like, oh, bleep, like yeah, this needs some interv- <laughs> intervention, support, scaffolding, yeah. a big hug um, and yeah. someone to advocate and yeah. so many things. But that just involves getting, say, 10 different people in that are probably not all going to work together, that are going to overwhelm the family. There has to be a better way. Yeah. And after working with Sarah a couple of times with a few families, you know, myself and some of the other team are like, oh, that works. Let's keep doing that. Yeah. Um, let's find more of her. Let's find more people working in that yeah. way. And I can see how that would be a massive driver in the morning to wake up and be like, I don't care that I haven't got a cool logo for my business. I don't care that I don't have a fixed address and I'm working out of a co-working space. Like my driver is to go into these families' yes. homes or and, and go into the schools and explore how we can better support and yes. integrate this child so that this child actually has a chance at succeeding yes. and making it through school. Yeah. And I had such a horrendous schooling experience as a child with undiagnosed neurodiversity. Mm. So we lived in a really lovely pocket of Hertfordshire and Essex in the UK. I'm British for anybody who hasn't picked up on the accent. Um, it's fairly strong still. Um, so I, I was sent to a private all-girls school from when I was six to ten and um, I couldn't read or write. So I was completely mm. illiterate mm. because I have this thing called dyslexia. But I was put in a cupboard with a book and a piece of paper and a pen because the teacher said that I was I was unteachable. Or I was stuck in front of the board with a sign saying, do not talk to me, I'm t- too thick. Mm. And I was horrendously bullied by the students because who wow. wants to be friends? With that kid. With that kid. Yeah. So when my parents finally found out what was happening to me, they took me to all of the local schools and all the local mainstream schools said, we can't deal with her because she can write her name but nothing else and she can't read but she can talk and she can tell you all this stuff that she knows but she's got no way of expressing it or reading it so we don't know what to do with her. So I went to a local Catholic school yeah. and they said that they would work with me for a year and if I didn't make any progress, I would have to go to like to an institution. Yeah. And how old so were you there, you reckon? I got there when I was 10. So you were 10. So you're 10, you've got verbal communication, like yep. very good yep. verbal communication, I'm guessing, but you Couldn't can only be. write your name. Yeah, and, and I can only write Sarah. So Louise was completely lost on me because... That has too many vowels, and yeah. still I find that a bit tricky. And then Hampton has a silent P in it, so mm. I was really stuck. Mm. Wow. So they were going doing all this remedial work with me in the afternoon. So in the morning, I would try and go to the mainstream school classes, the normal classes, and in the afternoon, I would be in remedial classes. Um, and after about eight weeks the school called my parents in and said, we think she has this thing called dyslexia. 
it's mostly in boys. It's quite new. We don't really know what it is, but we think you should go and get tested. Okay. So mum and dad took me to a an ed psych mm-hmm. who tested me and found that my COG score was off the charts, so my cognitive score was off the charts, but being able to apply that intellect was completely lost. Mm-hmm. And we were doing some tests and dad was sat next to me and mum and the psychologist were sat on the other side of the table and I kind of got really cross at one point and went, well, this is ridiculous, nobody can do this. And my dad turned around and said, yeah, no one can do this, it's impossible. And my mum and the psychologist went, "Mm, we can. And that's when we figured out my dad was also dyslexic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then we figured out that his dad was dyslexic. Wow. And then we figured out my brother was dyslexic. So I then... Talk about a penny drop moment. I know. <laughs> and so they had, so this school had a child who had really, really complicated post-traumatic stress from mm-hmm. early schooling, mm-hmm. plus a new diagnosis of dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And they worked uh, so hard with me that I got my 10 GCSEs, including maths and two English. So in the UK, you have different education yeah, systems. Yeah, GCC. Yeah. And then I went on to a different school and I and I got my A-levels. And everybody all the way through school said, you, it will just click. You'll just, you know, just work a bit harder and you'll, it will, you'll just get there. And I worked and worked and studied and studied and it just didn't click. Never. Ever. Never. At all. And then... At my high school where I did my A-levels, I was involved in a holiday for, it was for the charity called Mencap, Mm -hmm. and it's a summer camp. And at the end of the first week, the boss of the camp came up to me, and I was like this little (laughs) 16-year-old naive little girl who just had the best week of her life, and he said, watching you do this was like magic. You make it look effortless. You should be doing this for the rest of your life. So you found your calling essentially at 16. At 16. Yeah. And I... Knowing you were dyslexic. Knowing I was dyslexic. But not knowing that you also had ADHD. No. Mm. I didn't find out I had ADHD until after... During COVID... Ah, COVID again. Sorry, See, everyone. COVID, so, so traumatizing. traumatizing. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry, this should come with a with a warning. Um, <laughs> oh no, we're talking about COVID again. <laughs> so during COVID, I was cycling in this state of RSD, so rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Yeah, just basically and it's in an outfit. In an So those of you who don't know about RSD, do yourself a favor oh and Google God. it. Oh, I will guarantee you then have a moment where you go, oh, hang on, either I have this or think I have this or my child has it, father has it, brother has it, partner has it, yeah. friend has it. It is that thing inside of you that goes, oh, freak out, fight yes. or flight response, was it my fault? Um, they're talking about me, am yes. I good enough? Yes. Very severe, anxious thoughts, right? And, um, that, and, that are completely yeah. unwarranted, by yes. the way. Yes. Um, far more over and above, did I do a good enough job? 
Um, yeah. Yeah. RSC is a real it's interesting one. An absolute killer. And actually, a, po- a whole podcast on RSC and it won't be enough to, to cover it. But basically what happened was I was cycling in this thing that I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I'd had it. And cycling, not riding a bike. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> going in circles around. Yeah. Cycling going in circles yeah. around. It's okay. I'll bring the ADHD oh, brain back so... into No, don't be sorry at all. It's so not a problem. Um, always thinking about people are listening and, you know, people can't sometimes understand context. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Cycling in and out of or constantly around on this yeah. RSD hamster wheel, yeah. I guess. And a friend of mine sent me a TikTok about RSD. And I was like, oh, my, oh, my God, that's what I've got. I'm not bipolar. I don't have anxiety and depression. Oh, I've been on anxiety meds my whole adult life. I don't have that. That is what I've got. Yeah. And it took me ages to get a diagnosis, and I got a diagnosis, and I got on medication, and I, I mean... I still have RSD moments. I still have, you know, I still have major symptom days. But now I can look at it and go, I'm not mental. This is an RSD moment and I'm okay. And the minute that you can kind of go, you're okay, this is what it is, you actually feel better straight away anyway, with meds or without, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway. I guess so you, can step, how... you can step out of your mind, right? Like yeah. You, you can actually step out of your mind and look down on yourself and go, oh, duh, yeah. you're doing that thing, thing again. again. That's not real. It feels like it is. Um, but yeah. it's part of ADHD. Yes. Yeah. So And so I watched the TikTok and went, oh, well, I don't have ADHD, but I've definitely got RSD. Ooh. And then, How and did then, that go down? <laughs> and then basically figured out that you can't have RSD without having ADHD and then went, oh. Yeah, it's like having peanut butter on toast without the bread. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then realised that actually having worked with all of these neurodiverse kids mm. my whole life yes. and totally understanding them and completely getting them, realised that most of the things that I'd attributed to dyslexia were not dyslexia at all. Most of them were ADHD. Yeah. And that I had been struggling with my ADHD for my entire life. So I do have dyslexia and sometimes my words get in a pickle. But that doesn't explain all the other stuff that I thought was dyslexia that turns out isn't. And how common do you think it is? I mean, I hear and see it a lot, but I'm only one person. How common do you think it is that children are diagnosed dyslexic and also have ADHD? Uh, so the co-occurring conditions across mm. the board, so ASD and ADHD and anxiety and depression and um, dyslexia and PTSD and dyscalculia, and they all really go hand in hand. Yeah. And having worked in this space for such a long time, I think I can hand on heart say that I have only met two young people who only are autistic okay so that's a lot of people that have got other stuff going on around that Mm -hmm. um yeah so Uh, overwhelming for teachers 
I'm just thinking about the teachers that get their just got their new cohort of, of students for the yeah. year and they're going, okay, on this person's file it says X. Um, they've got an ILP to help them with this particular diagnosis, but yeah. perhaps there's additional diagnosis sitting there that that yes. family doesn't even know about yes. yet. And I've seen you do this because I've been not in the room but virtually in the room <laughs> yeah. with you when you're working with these families and you kind of do this gathering of information, talking, talking to the teacher. You've got the principal in the room, you've got the yeah. family in the room, you might have another therapist, and then you just go, oh, hang on, what did you just say? And then you grab these little bits of information and you go, I think we should actually look at testing for yes. you know, this. So um, I am not. people say, what yes. is a consultant? <laughs> <laughs> what is an autism consultant? Yes. And I say, well, not a psychologist. No, because I'm not a psychologist. And she's not an OT. Yeah. And, but it's, it's actually someone who can take the information and then say, here's next steps. Yes. Here is the information you need for the next part of your journey. Yes. So you're consulting to people with your expertise yes. and experience. You know, I do the same in my work um, with the NDIS. I help providers get started. They all look very different. They all come in and they say, we've got a specific need. Yes. And then I say, actually, you need X, Y, and Z, but you have no idea that you need it. So yes, consultancy is the perfect word yes. for what you do. Yes. So you've travelled the whole <laughs> way through life going, I'm dyslexic, I'm dyslexic, I'm dyslexic. Yes. Yes. Oh, bleep. Yes. I also have ADHD. That explains X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Yes. But gives me this incredible superpower because I'm so relatable now to the kids that I work yes. with. And I understand them so deeply. Yes. Um, you know, I was going to ask you, is it a superpower? I don't need to ask that question. I've just heard and seen you talk about how it is and, and I know that you yeah. have that gift to give to give people. I think um, it is It's a superpower if you can find your key to unlocking it. Mm. But I would say on a day-to-day basis, it is unbelievably difficult and really challenging. So I have got, so I can do this and we're in this meeting and I've been to school already this morning and I've done a meeting and I've put them on notice about what the next steps are and we're going to have another meeting in three weeks' time. Mm -hmm. I can do all of that. But at home, my benches in my kitchen are filthy and itching at the back of my brain that I know that that needs to get done, but I'm actually not going to be able to do it. And there's a load of laundry that now smells so bad because it's damp and it's in my washing machine that it might actually be turning my washing machine mouldy, but I'm almost too ashamed to open the door of the washing machine to see how bad it is. Yeah. So. Throw yourself into the other stuff that you can do really well. Absolutely. And really go hard on that. Yeah. But then at the core of it is also this terrible feeling that I'm failing as a mum, I'm failing as a human being, because other people can hang out their laundry. And for some reason, I get stuck and can't and I worry very I worry about using words like superpower to describe what is essentially a really big disability if I don't have my meds on board I 
can become very dysregulated. I find it really difficult to work. Um, or I can hyper-focus on work, but everything else goes to pieces. Yeah. So if you find your key and if you can unlock it, I think you, you've got this incredible... Um, you have got this incredible power to hyper-focus. Yeah. Um, but with hyper-focus... To apply yourself. Yes. Yeah. With hyper-focus comes some flaws and... You don't have one without the other, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's tricky. I have read a lot of... I read a lot. Um, I read way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I've read lots of stories. Um, I love true stories. I love stories of inspiration. In fact, there is a great story, uh, great uh, movie coming out today in Australia. Um, so we're recording this a couple of weeks before you'll probably hear it live, but there's a movie coming out called The Hill. Uh, everyone must Google it and watch it. It's got Dennis Quaid in it. It is about a young baseballer who's told he can't do something and then obviously perhaps does. The story. <laughs> no, um, those type of stories are my jam. Yeah. So turns out there is a lot of very successful sports people yes. with ADHD. Yes. And yes. those very successful sports people, also very successful actors, Yes. People who can hone in on their craft. So exactly what you said, they've taken it and they've gone, yes, there is some things that are debilitating and that is probably the best word for it about this diagnosis, but I also can focus, hyper-focus, apply myself on one particular area of interest that I really enjoy that I'm really good at as long as I have support systems in place to remind me or support me to do the other things that are also important, like eating food and going to the toilet and sleeping at night. I mean, (laughs) let's just talk about the basics. Like you need to eat, sleep and poop, right? Yeah. Um, I'm terrible living in a clean environment, probably dressing your kids and feeding them as well, depending on where you are in life. But like anything's possible. Anything's possible, but it's about putting the right support structures in place. So I'm terrible cleaning my house. I have found that if I have a cleaner, at least once a week it gets clean, then my brain feels less cluttered. I talk about having an itch, like an itchy brain. So something is nagging in the back of my brain. That's how the ADHD kind of feels. Mm -hmm. Um, So having a cleaner stops the itch. Yeah. Um, Remembering to take my meds stops the itch. You have to remember to take your meds. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle, hey? <laughs> like, okay, I'm time blind. I need to leave here in 10 minutes, but I have to remember to put the alarm on to remind me to leave here in 10 minutes. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I oh, get it, I get it. Um, so really, when you think about the last, let's call it a decade, seven yeah. years, or, yeah. you know, let's yeah. round it up to 10, um, it's, like it's fairly time. incredible that you've done what you've done. Thank you. And, you know, you should, should not um, discount that. And, you know, you've got three beautiful girls. I saw yes. a beautiful photo of them this morning on their way to school. It would be yes. amazing. And I'm sure they're super proud of their mum. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah, and you've got this great space here in Yarraville and you're employing people now and you've got this team. It's only really onwards and upwards for you. I'm sure there was and still will be moments that it feels super overwhelming. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I feel like you're not alone. I feel like there would be a lot of people out there who might listen to this and go, oh, maybe yeah. that's actually what's going on with me. Or, yeah. yes, I've just been through that same experience myself. And to know that you you will survive. Yeah, that you yeah, will yeah. get through it. Yeah. You just 
no day is going to be perfect. Without yeah. without the bad days, we can't have good days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to appreciate the ups and downs. Absolutely. Um, but Absolutely. what would your advice be to people who might think as an adult or as a later later in life, yeah. a young adult or yeah. a, you know later in life diagnosis, possible yeah. diagnosis, like what would your advice be to them? Where to start? Like what, what would they explore? How so, do they even oh, start it, that conversation? It's so tricky. Like the public system is so difficult for getting diagnosis. So if you've got the money, I was fortunate enough in that I had a bit of savings and mm. so I put myself through the uh, private clinic and got the diagnosis. So you go yeah. to the GP, you say that you think all of these things are things that are you. Mm-hmm. To get, gather as much information as you can. So if you love, like, Facebook Reels, you know, there's yes. some Facebook Reels, there's yes. some amazing people with ADHD that you can follow and you go, Oh yeah, that's a, oh yeah, I do that. And, oh, oh god, I do that too. And I you think that's an ADHD that. thing that you love to watch the little fast videos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I, then I can when see they... how this might just be really easy. <laughs> like, oh, that's easy. Watch, click. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they talk about their ADHD, you kind of go, oh no, I do that too. Um, so go with a list to the GP. Um, don't take no for an answer. Yeah, and that's a good point. Don't, but don't get fogged off. And that's not on GPs. It's not the fault of GPs. But don't get fogged off with this is just anxiety, or this is just this, or have you thought about bipolar? Or if you if it's really resonating, mm. keep plugging away at it because it's really misunderstood, and it is so misunderstood in women. Um. And in young, you know, there is a whole, there's going to be a whole cohort of young women, again, another generation yeah. that have been failed, that have been put on drugs that are incorrect, yeah. that have, haven't had the right scope and support at school, are, are not meeting their milestones and feel that constant sense of failure or imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it just is going to keep going until we can really educate the doctors and the GPs right at that very base level. Yeah. And then if you can afford it, private um, diagnosis. Um, and if you can't... And what about talk therapy? Wait list. So I'm never very good. So a lot of talk... You're very good at talking, but I'm never good at talk therapy. <laughs> So I could never do CBT therapy. So I was a yeah. psychologist for, for, for years. But yeah. CBT means that you do homework during the week. Mm. And I would just like... ADHD means you don't do homework. No. Yeah. So I would get to my next appointment and I'd be like, oh, no, she asked me to do something. Oh, Lord, what was that? And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, create a diary. And so then in the car park, frantically prior to the appointment, I'd be like making up what happened a week ago. So that I could go to the psychologist and say, I've done my homework for the last week, which is yeah. just not gonna work. Crazy. Mm. So um keep keep plugging away at it. There's lots of things that you can do to manage your symptoms, but when you don't have um medication on board, but the medication for me anyway has been life changing. Yeah. 
And so that's why you need a psychiatrist. Yeah, and look, this, we know we know in Australia here the psychiatrists wait lists are just nuts, crazy yeah. long. Yeah, and we know it's a journey, but there is there is pathways, and you do have to persevere if it's important enough for you to make yes. a change. Yes, um, there's also support groups, right? Though, yeah, there, there's plenty yeah. of support groups, Facebook groups, yeah, you know, whatever way that you can yeah. navigate it. Yeah, um, but. But talk to people about it. Yeah. You know, talk therapy or CBT with a psychologist at 200 and something bucks now might not be your jam I and that's totally anything. cool. Yeah. Um, but find someone you can chat to about yeah. it. You yeah, know, find absolutely. a mate or and find peer. someone else that's yeah. got a similar diagnosis yeah. or a child with that diagnosis yeah. and just have a laugh about it. Absolutely. I think, I think talking helps. And I think like one of the ways that I connect with a lot of my clients is that I say that my brain works really differently. I really struggled to make friends when I was little. Yeah. I really struggled to keep friends when I was little. Um, and actually all the way through my life, um, I, you know, I really struggled at school because I knew I could do it but couldn't get myself to do it. Mm-hmm. And having that connection with the clients means that they're su- they suddenly go, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't need to put this mask on because yeah. she gets me. Yeah, they trust and that you. Ma- yeah, and that makes a huge difference. And I think for anybody, whatever age you are, if you think that this might be your diagnosis, finding someone else to talk to who might have the same or similar diagnosis yeah. means that you can take that mask off yeah. You can really delve down into it and you can actually have a laugh about the fact that you've still got laundry in your yeah. washing machine. Hey, I'm pretty sure they sell those little mould things or a bit of like lemon in it. There'll be something you can do. It's really not the end of the world. And I know internally it probably feels a lot worse than it actually is. Yeah. But um yeah, it's just a, it's it's really interesting that you can go through life all that time believing one set of truths about yourself. Absolutely. And then having a moment where you're like, oh, oh shit, actually, shit. it's this. And that's happened because of other external yes. events that have pushed you to that point. Yes. You know, um, just coming back to the NDIS provider oh, journey, yeah. I'm sure there was so many bleep moments oh. um, where you felt completely overwhelmed out of your depth wondered am I the right you know I know what I'm doing but do I fit in this space this is where I'm supposed to be in NDIS land you know I know how to be in schools and I know how to do that but I don't know whether I should be charging this or doing yes, that yes just having the diagnosis that you had no doubt the RSD was kicking in you know all talk to me about how yeah. crazy that must have been so I remember having a conversation with you in 2022, I think, when they removed the other line item. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, yeah. So and the I yeah. sobbed. Yeah, let's, let's, think get, so, let's, let's, let's get back to the context on this side. Okay, so let me put my feet on the ground while I tell this story. Um, so the NDIA, the National Disability Insurance Agency, of course, brings out new price arrangements from time to time, and some smart person at the agency decided perhaps let's just remove a line item from from this batch of updates. And yeah. that line item that we talk about, the way you can charge, was the other therapy line item. Yeah. So anyone that is a therapist within the NDIS space who is um, conducting therapy but is not a, inverted brackets, speech therapist, OT, 
um, audiologist, um, psychologist, counsellor. There's a whole massive list yeah. there. Yeah. Um, if you didn't have one of those specific titles, yeah. um, you could you didn't have a line item anymore to charge for your services. So essentially overnight, a whole heap of people freaked out. Yes. They reverted and came back a week later on that decision or five days later and went, oops, we made a mistake. Yes. But. But. (laughs) And you were not the only phone call that we got. I mean, we got so many phone calls and, um, yeah, it was just crazy. Like, I have got so many qualifications, but... The way that the Australian red tape system works yeah. means that I don't fit under the in those in those brackets. It doesn't mean that I don't have those qualifications. It just means I don't fit in the very narrow brackets. Yeah, and so the box is sitting under the wrong column, right? Exactly, so you're ticking all the boxes in one column, but not across the different columns. Exactly, yeah. and so suddenly overnight, yeah, overnight I would have lost probably about 50%, maybe 70% of my business. Mm. And it was absolutely horrendous. And then you sit in that for five days, not only thinking, going, oh, my God, I'm I'm going to go back to not being able to feed my children and put a roof over their head, but also everybody thinks I'm fraud. And everybody yeah. thinks that... That's that RSD kicking in again. It's massive hey. RSD. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's total nonsense because... I know I can do the job that I do. Ah. I do the job that I do for hundreds of schools, for hundreds of clients. We have all the qualifications necessary to provide the therapy that we provide. With huge successes. With huge successes. But, uh, yeah, we... So there have been a few of those. There, there was that one, the line item one, that that really threw a spanner in the works. Uh, the most recent has been the review yeah. which was in December, which I think by that stage, I think I was in so much, such full ADHD burnout that I just really didn't absorb it till January. Mm-hmm. Couldn't even bring myself to read the information. Oh, and who wants to read the however many hundreds, almost thousands of pages there were with, you know, the 26 recommendations and the 136 or 139 um, bits of extra information. Um, essentially, the NDI's review does... Don't stress because yep. Don't it, stress. it will take time for those things to roll out yep. and it is actually required. Yes. We, we need to change some things yes. in the system. Totally wholeheartedly agree. Absolutely. Most of the things they've recommended sound like they're going to improve the sustainability of the schemes and the outcomes for participants, which yep. is which is really great. Yep. And having been in this space now for so long, the, the amount of um, rotting, that I have seen, mm. I it, it it it's terrifying, and so you kind of you something needs to change. But obviously, because of my ADHD and my RSD, I'm like, oh my god, it's me! They're targeting me. <laughs> um, which, I just heard them at the front door just before, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, you know the 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 fraud is a big thing, and at the the last DSC conference, they had a, um, a panel on the fraud and they were talking about, this is the interesting thing, right? So the cost involved from the agency and the people and resources involved to investigate the fraud mm-hmm. almost outweighs a lot of the actual small cases of fraud itself. Absolutely. 
So you're in like a quite an interesting dilemma, right? Yeah. So as someone who manages a business, I would put my business hat on and say, if someone wants a $20 discount and it's going to cost us more than $20 in time to give them that discount, just give them the discount. Yes. Right? That's yes. a very easy equation. Yes. $20, $25 out to get, you know, less than $20 in, just give them the discount. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. So if that same scenario is happening within a government organization, you wonder, and you know, I don't tiptoe around things when I talk and most yeah. people who know me know that. I just tell it as it is. But you wonder how much of it they sweep under the rug. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. they go, oh, someone's reported a provider is charging X. Oh, you know what? It's going to cost us too much to investigate that. We'll put that at the bottom of the pile and we're yeah. only going to go after the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis. Yeah. And we have seen that a lot of people that have, have done uh, very fraudulent things that have put people at risk as yes. well have been, um, you know, charged or put in jail. Yeah. And they're really big stories and they end up in the news as, you know, Scare tactics, yeah. I would have thought. Yeah. Um, yes, they also need to be addressed. But I have seen first-hand providers who are year in, year out, rotting the system, pillaging people's plans, not providing yeah. any supports, who are yeah. constantly reported and no action has been taken. Yeah. Now, that has to change. And the only way the NDIs can change that without costing them more than what they're losing yeah, in, in, yeah. In the system is for them to actually change the legislation, yeah. change the way they fund the supports. So you're right. Yeah. The review, it's a good thing. There's a lot of information there, but people need to understand there's very big reasons behind why they're doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and if we don't do it, we won't have a scheme. And actually, when you look at the recommendations, all the things that they have recommended have been things that really, you're like, yeah. I totally get that. That yeah. absolutely does need to change. Um, it's a huge project. It's a huge it's project. A huge project to make all those changes. Over and one five of the years. one of the big things that is going to happen for for my clients is the idea that schools have got to step up, mm, which is great. Which is great because I've been yelling and screaming about this for years. The Department what, of Education has also been saying for years that they're going to make changes and nothing's happened. <laughs> what worries me is where on earth is all the money going to yeah. come from? Because and the, people. the change that is required mm. is so big. We really need to turn education on its head. Yeah. And I, you know, my tiny little pocket of change, the, the tiny little bit of good that ACS does every single day being in this space we're just not it needs to be everybody thinking the way that we're thinking yeah agreed and that's really that feels very big exciting very exciting but big every little step forward in the right direction helps to make a change yes and there has been some people over history that, you know, you would think the one step forward that they took each day was never going to yeah. make a change that have made some huge yes. changes over, over, over time. Yeah. So, you know, stick in there yeah. and um, keep doing what you do. What you do here um, at ACS is incredible work. Oh. You know, um, not enough people know about it. And um, <laughs> I know that you only have a certain capacity to take people on. You know, so yes. Sarah, can you help with this family? Oh, how bad is it? Because I'm 
pretty booked up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what we hope is by having people like yourself on yeah. the podcast is that, that we can grow awareness yeah. Um, yeah. about these things and, and help people to be open to different ways of supporting yeah. the family. Yeah. You know, it's not nothing against OTs. My mum is an OT, she's paediatric OT, yeah. retired now. I've spent a lot of time with different OTs. They do a fantastic job, but they can't do all the work on their own. No. The same as physios, the same as psychs. Yeah. You know, it is not just one person that needs to, to look at this yeah. and we need to look at how to address the problems in different ways and from different angles yeah. to have success at scale. Yeah, So, absolutely. you know, thank you for everything that you do. <laughs> and thank you for sharing your story, you know. You jumped in the arena, you're very vulnerable, and, you know, just put yourself out there and I love it because how many people actually, especially women, jump in that arena and they actually, they're doing what they do, loving it and saying, hey, I'm not perfect. Yeah. And I'm I, not perfect. I'm just doing the best I can. I absolutely. I have smelly laundry, but yeah. it's okay. <laughs> I absolutely love what I do. I love what I do. We have children who come in here who are deeply traumatized by school or are really struggling and they are laughing and smiling and making friends and learning skills that they can then take out to school. And we're not asking anybody to be different. We're just giving them a space where they can be themselves. Absolutely. Really exciting. Amazing. So if people want to learn more about what you do or get in touch with you, how how can they do that? So we've got a website, Mm -hmm. um, which I should know the address for, which is www.autismconsultancy.com.au. That's the one. (laughs) I'm panicking in the middle of that thinking I don't know my own email address. Oh, website address. And then our email address is admin at autismconsultancy.com.au. Dot, dot dot yeah, and, and we'll pop the links up on the YouTube video for those of you who are watching from home. Um, yeah, it's been really great to finally sit down and have a chat. I know. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, it's been it's really such good. a long journey. It absolutely has. Um, and we wish you all the best into the future. And, and we'd like to hear, check back in with you, um, you know, in a few years' time. Yeah. And, and see. Yay. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. As we conclude today's episode of Bravery Defined, I want to extend a heartfelt thank you for joining us on this meaningful exploration of courage and resilience. Whether you're facing uncharted territories or navigating familiar roads, remember that your journey is uniquely yours and your bravery is your guiding light. Whatever road you choose to take, please travel safe and know that you're not alone. Join us again next week as we continue this journey, sharing more inspiring stories within the NDIS and broader disability community. If you have stories or topics close to your heart that you'd like us to share, please reach out. Our contact details are in the show notes. I'm Annette Yakubovic, your host, and I can't wait to embark on another adventure with you on Bravery Defined. Until then, stay brave, stay inspired, and we'll see you next week.